Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. Join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. We gather a seasoned elder, myself as the middle generation, and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations, prepare to engage or hear perspectives that literally no one else has had. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A warmer from Evo. Welcome to Bobby Las Vegas with Jessica Seeps, with myself, Greg Eves Peters, and now part of the Visa Family Podcast. We've got a tremendous podcast for you. You're going to be keeping this podcast in two parts. In segment number one, we're going to be catching you up on all the news and notes we saw in college basketball over the last 48 hours. If you guys heard the podcast yesterday, gave you guys a conference preview of the America East. And you're going to be getting a preview for all 32 conferences. We're already through four of them, so we're working hard. We're working our way through these conferences, but that is very much on the horizon. So hopefully you guys enjoyed that. So we'll get you guys caught up on everything that we saw on Sunday and on Monday. And then in segment number two, we've got to get more insight as to what's happening with West Virginia not so great situation. I think that that's very fair to say. And Ethan Bach, he's over at West Virginia Sports now, along with the Portal Report. He is going to be joining me. We're going to talk a little bit more about a rosy topic towards the back half, taking a look at some of these guys in the transfer portal, what might be of intrigue. And we're also going to talk with them about if we might see a little bit of a second wave with the transfer portal as well. With everything that's happening with West Virginia, if we do see West Virginia, it looks like it's going to be conducting a national coaching system. If they do take a coach from a different staff, if we might see a little bit of a second wave with regards to the transfer portal, but we're going to dive in on that. Where West Virginia goes from here, what is the last 48 slash 72 or so hours been in Morgantown? How have they been handling all this? And whether or not guys that entered into the transfer portal went to West Virginia, if they're going to be eligible or not, spoiler, the answer is a lot of these guys, they are going to be able to transfer if they want to. So, that is something that we are going to be talking about with Ethan in segment number two. And if you do have a question, comment, segment idea, what have you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways we offer those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at unit underscore one Keep in mind, letters EM. They mean does not matter. So as per usual, please do send these into the timeline. Other ways, find an Apple podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you are able to fire in whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five-star review. All the questions I've been asked have been centered around the West Virginia situation, so I will try to ask our good friend Ethan anything that I can't answer myself. So we're going to try to get you guys some good insight there. But let's take a look at what we've all seen over the last 48 hours in college basketball. And this one's a little bit older than the past 48 hours, but I do think that this is very important. Charlotte was looking for head coach themselves, and they landed on Aaron Farine as their new interim coach. He's got the interim tag on him, but he was with Charlotte for each of the last five seasons. He used to be a professional coach over in Australia. There was a little bit of a contract disagreement with the team and Ron Sanchez, so 
and it caused for a little bit of a parting of ways there. And we have not really seen anyone from Charlotte enter into the transfer portal other than really Deshaun Jackson ever since this move. And by the way, we do have some news on that front that I'm going to be getting to in a second, but that is going to be something of intrigue to take a look at there. And that's sort of what West Virginia is going through as well. Do they want to hire on an interim coach that is more likely to be able to retain some of these players for this year, or do they want to be able to get a splash hire that it might cause for a little bit more roster dysfunction this year, but in future years, it might set them up for a little bit of a better circumstance. And I did mention Deshaun Jackson. He was over at Charlotte last year, but did not play last year. He was out due to injury. He was entering in from Washington State, where two seasons ago, he was able to see some very meaningful minutes. He was able to be a starter, six points, four rebounds per game. And honestly, two seasons ago, it's when he really flourished. Seven points, 4.3 rebounds per game in his Two seasons in the Pac-12 for Washington State was averaging about a block per contest. He's going to be going to Texas Tech, and I did like what Texas Tech has been able to do this offseason, as I felt like they got one of the better coaching hires in Grant McCaslin. Love what he was able to do at North Texas now. I don't know if he's going to be able to play a style that is dead last in the country in terms of possessions per game like he was able to do at North Texas, but he brings in Darion Williams, who he wasn't necessarily a prolific scorer in Nevada, but... He's one of those dual little bit of everything sort of guys. Warren Washington is a seven-footer down low to go along with Deshaun Jackson. Kerryon Lindsey is able to do a solid job down low when he was at Georgia last year. He was their top rebounder before deciding to leave the program. Chase McMillan is someone that's able to light it up from three-point range. So, all in all, Texas Tech, they're probably going to be towards the bottom of the Big 12 just given the fact that there are going to be some chemistry issues. But the fact that they have brought in what they have been able to I do think that things are looking up for Grant McCaslin, and I do think that he's going to be able to do a very solid job at this fine university. We also did see a few guys go from the D1 level to the non-D1 level. We saw this with Antoine Jackson. He was playing last season over at Arkansas State. He has decided that he is going to be going to Arkansas Fort Smith. And, I mean, this is someone that saw a few starts while he was at Arkansas State. Did not get out there on the floor last year, but throughout his career was about a 3.3 rebound per game guy, not a super duper impact gentleman over at six foot seven, but very easy for your handicap here. All you need to note is that Mr. Jackson, he was at the D1 level. He is no longer at the D1 level. Cross him off your list of guys that you need to evaluate and you're able to move on from there. Chandler Lawson, very well-traveled gentleman, began his career at Oregon, a former top 100 guy. He was over at Memphis last year. Was a starter for Memphis. He started in 24 games. Was not necessarily a prolific scorer. He averaged five points, four and a half boards per contest for his career. A 43% three-point shooter. Very small sample size of three-point shots. I think they stay at like a career 28 threes, but he is out there in the transfer portal. Could be a nice role player at six foot eight that primarily plays down low, has a little bit of stretchability that I think was untapped at Memphis, but now he becomes a name that is up there with the likes of Paul Mouke that if your team has struck out here in the transfer portal thus far, you're probably wanting to be considering. We saw Logan Stevens. He was over at Rutgers, just really didn't get any playing time whatsoever. He was a part of that guard stable. He goes over to Tulane, and that is big for Tulane, who lost Jalen Cook, who I thought was very much an impact guy, and I think that he's going to do very well this year at LSU. But for Tulane, they've done a good job of picking up the pieces Bringing in some like a Kobe King from St. John's was a good starting spot. I'm not sure what you're going to be able to get out of up transfer in Asher Woods, but Greg Glenn III was someone that was relatively highly taught in. And for Logan Stevens, 
He was someone that was a little bit more off the radar in terms of his recruitment, but I think that he's going to be someone that, if they need him to, he'll be able to handle the ball a little bit, and I do think that this is a relatively solid ad for this Tulane team. We also saw a few other guys decide that they are going to be going to the non-D1 level as well in Jaden Slaughter, he was playing over at Buffalo last season where he just was unable to get out there on the floor in general. There was a little bit of fanfare with him coming into the program, but that was just never really served. And then hopefully I say this one correctly in Besanti, Amy Sarabaga. He was playing over at UIC, Illinois, Chicago last season. And he's someone that saw a little bit of run. He was able to get the team one and a half points per contest. Was looked at as a little bit more of a project that was coming over from the country of France. He has decided that he is going to be going to Ellsworth Community College. So, once again, very easy for your handicap. So, that's what we've all seen in college basketball over the last 48 hours. I obviously gave my reaction over the weekend to the Bob Huggins situation. And we've got to dive in on that quite a bit more because... It could cause some big ripples with regards to the transfer portal. There's a lot of big names that are rumored to be sort of in the running to perhaps take over that West Virginia job. And a man that is doing a great job of covering that and so much more is Ethan Bach over at West Virginia Sports Now. Along with the Portal Report, we're going to be diving in on that. And we're also going to be taking a look at the transfer portal itself. Having a little bit more fun towards the back half of this chat with Ethan up next. Right here on Chris Gosey with myself, Jackie Peterson, now a part of the Decent Family Podcast. Hey, everybody, welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite in powerful conversations. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. I want you all to join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. In every episode, we gather a seasoned elder. But even with a child, there's no such thing as the wrong thing if you love them. Myself, as the middle generation... I don't feel like I have to get married at this big age in life, but it is a desire I have and something that I've navigated in dating and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations. I'm very jealous of your generation (laughs) that didn't have to deal with Instagram and Tinder. This is Across Generations, where Black women's voices unite, and together, you know how we do, we create magic. magic. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite in powerful conversations. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. I want you all to join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. In every episode, we gather a seasoned elder. 
But even with a child, there's no such thing as the wrong thing if you love them. Myself, as the middle generation, I don't feel like I have to get married at this big age in life, but it is a desire I have and something that I've navigated in dating and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations. I'm very jealous of your generation (laughs) that didn't have to deal with Instagram and Tinder. This is Across Generations, where Black women's voices unite, and together, you know how we do, we create magic. magic. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you ready to become a winning sports better? Schedule a call with SBIA to find out how their service can make you a long-term winning player. They've developed an innovative algorithm that maximizes units return, and they are so confident in their system that they offer a money-back guarantee. Sign up by October 31st and get their NBA package at no cost until they reach 10 net units. They treat sports betting like a business. So if you want to learn how to make your sports betting dreams a reality, visit them at SBIA1.com and check them out on social media at SBIA Sports. And we're back here above Las Vegas for Jessica Seems with myself, Greg Eves Peterson, now a part of the Beeson Family Podcast. It is great to be joined by this man as Ethan Bach is a man that does a tremendous job of covering the college basketball landscape. He does a great job taking a look at all that we're getting in terms of this offseason over at the Portal Report that is dedicated to just all these transfer moves that we are seeing. Most of the big names have come off the board, but I know that he, George Michalowski, all those guys over there, are doing a great job of looking at those late guys entering in, those last ads, what have you. And on top of that, he does a great job covering West Virginia, which, as we know, there's been a little bit that's been going on there. He's over there at West Virginia Sports Now and WFO, Ethan Bach on Twitter. That is that his name, Ethan Bach, and then an underscore at the end of that. And, Ethan, it's great to have you aboard. Thank you. Thank you, Greg. Thank you for joining me, Ethan. And, Ethan, I'm sure that I'm not the first one to ask you, sort of the lay of the land with regards to West Virginia, but where is the team at right now in terms of either trying to add an interim coach or looking for a full-time replacement? Because no doubt about it, they were thinking that they were going to need to replace Bob Huggins probably a little bit sooner after those radio comments, but what we saw over the weekend caused things to come to a very, very sudden halt, and I have to imagine that for West Virginia, I mean, it might not even be a case where they fully know what they're doing at this point. So as soon as Bob Hogan's resigned late Saturday night, 
after he met with the team. It came out a report the university is going to conduct a national search while also considering Doug's assistants that are still there. The team's kind of in a limbo right now. They're kind of anxiously waiting to see what direction the program is going to go in. You know, the players are in favor of an internal promotion, whether that's an interim head coach or an assistant that actually gets promoted up to the full-time job. So it makes sense. It's the staff they committed to, uh, whether it's the portal guys that just came in or the guys that returned. So it's going to be interesting if they hire somebody that's not one of Hugs' assistants and it's an outside hire. It'll be interesting to see what happens with West Virginia's entire roster. The players are in a limbo right now, and so is the coaching staff. Yeah, they certainly are. Has there been any players that have yet to enter into the transfer portal due to what we've seen out of this? And is it true, the rumors that we are hearing, that there might be some leniency granted to the guys that they did enter into the program due to just everything that has happened? Yeah, so no official portal entries yet. NCAA grants West Virginia's players 30 days with the coaching changes. That rule was modified when they brought in the transfer portal window rule last fall. So West Virginia's guys got about 28 more days left to decide. The complicated part is figuring out who's who's immediately eligible and who's not. Um, West Virginia has a lot of fifth-year seniors that some have only transferred once and some have transferred multiple times, and some haven't graduated their undergrad yet. They're not technically graduates. So it's a lot of moving parts, a lot of confusion. Two guys like Kirk Kreisha, Jesse Edwards, they should be immediately eligible to, to play because they've only transferred once. So it'll get interesting, like I said, if they hire somebody outside of the team, they bring in a new staff portal could have an, another wave of just West Virginia guys. Yeah, it is going to be a very complicated situation and could cause, like you said, a little bit more of an uptick with regards to what we're seeing in the transfer portal. As joining me on the show, we do have Ethan Bach. He does tremendous work over at West Virginia Sports Now, along with the Portal Report. And I know you reported on this a little bit later on during the day on Monday as well. West Virginia has been looking to some outside sources and some of the West Virginia products that are in the NBA right now to give them a little bit of help. I believe that you were tweeting out that Mike Gensey, who's over there with the Cavaliers here, general manager, along with Joe Mazzullo, who's a little bit of a polarizing name right now in NBA circles. They have reached out to them. What are they really urging the team to do? And could they have a little bit of a hand in helping out West Virginia during this time? Yes. Yeah, so this afternoon, the team met with Joe Mazzulla and Mike Gansey over Zoom. Source says it went well, says they're really good guys. So I think their message to the team was just, hey, like there's more to this team than than Bob Huggins. Obviously, you committed to Bob Huggins, but. I mean, you have an entire state behind your back. You're still at a top 25 program in the country. You have an arguably top 30 preseason roster. You can compete in the middle to high tier of the Big 12. You still have a talented roster. I think it's just get, uh, I think Gansey and Missoula are just giving the players a different perspective of look. Like, this isn't over yet. You still have a lot of potential with this team next year. And I do think that it is an interesting ordeal for West Virginia as well because, I mean, we just talked about the fact that they both essentially via Zoom with some of the guys within the organization as well. And is everyone else aside from Bob Huggins still in place as well? Because I know that something that has talked about whether or not to go the interim route or to go with an outside hire. Is it everyone aside from Bob Huggins that is still on staff or was there any other moves that were made along with this slash anyone else that stepped down? No, Bob Huggins was the only coach that resigned. There are a couple coaches whose contracts are up at the end of the month. That's another thing to note, but 
Yeah, some names have been floating around at different levels, too. Ben McCollum from Northwest Missouri State, Ren Baker, WVU's AD. I was his basketball coach when he was an AD back in the early 2010s. That's a name that's floated around. And just the usual mid-major names like Pat Kelsey. I know at the Power 5 level, Steve Forbes' name got thrown around a little bit. And then out of ba- outside of basketball, a coach who hasn't been in the game for a little bit. Just one of those rumor names is John Beeline, who coached at West Virginia in the mid-2000s. So it's a lot of different names. It's a lot of unique candidates for sure. It'll be curious to see who West Virginia targets this week as they'll probably need to make a quick decision. So the players aren't anxiously waiting much longer. Yep, absolutely, because you did note that the players have that 30-day window, and I do think that John Beeline would be a home run of hire of a coach. I still remember when he was at Michigan, whenever he would draw up an out-of-bounds play, there was always someone open. Now, whether or not he would get the talented enough recruits to be able to knock down those shots would vary from time to time, but that man was a, just a college basketball sage, as I always like to call him, and then when he was with the Cleveland Cavaliers, it did not go so well, but... That is a name I think would be very intriguing. And do you think that there's a possibility that West Virginia might look to some of the Bob Huggins disciples, like Jared Calhoun is someone I know that West Virginia typically plays out of conference every year. I believe that he either played slash coach or perhaps both under Bob Huggins. I believe that Andy Kennedy has a few ties as well. Is there a chance that West Virginia might be looking to some of these guys off the Bob Huggins coaching tree to be able to fill this vacancy? I would think Calhoun and Kennedy are the two, top two out of Huggins' tree. Calhoun's been at Youngstown State for a few years now. Kennedy's back at his alma mater at UAB, and he's coming off two respectable seasons. I mean, those teams at UAB were really fun to watch under AK, so I'm not really sure where West Virginia is going to go right now, if they're going to target a Huggins coaching tree guy or if they're going to go outside. I'd guess they're going to go outside of the Huggins tree, but I'm sure Kennedy and Calhoun are right up on that list for West Virginia. And I really do like what Jerry Calhoun has done at Youngstown State. They were the number one seed in the Ryzen League tournament this past year. Penguins are getting closer and closer to being able to go to the NCAA tournament, so I do think that there is some intrigue there. As Ethan Bach, who does amazing work over at the Portal Report, along with West Virginia Sports Now is joining me right here on Coast to Coast Hoops. And Ethan, I do appreciate you taking the time to take a look at everything that's going on with West Virginia. And I'm sure that you have been answering those questions for a while, and I'm sure that you're going to be answering them a little bit longer. So let's take a look at something a little bit more fun for you with regards to some of these late ads slash some of these guys that are late in the transfer portal. And I do think that it is very interesting that there are still some guys out there that are of intrigue because we did see someone like Deshaun Jackson come off the board and he decided to go to Texas Tech. He's someone that missed last season while he was at Washington State, but someone that should be able to give them a little bit of size down low. Do you think that there's still some impact guys that are still out there in the transfer portal that, you know what, they might be guys that won't be like difference makers or anything like that, but guys that could be nice depth pieces and could be sort of that guy that comes in off the bench slash that ancillary starter that can help out an organization slash a team? Yeah, we talked last week about Paul Mulcahy from Rutgers or Alexis Yena from Seton Hall. Those are two names I think that when you say the word role player, two names come to mind just adding depth to a team that can turn a team into a second weekend or third weekend in March team. I mean, today Chandler Lawson from Memphis entered entering his fifth year. So he averaged 19 minutes a game at Memphis, played 35 games. That's another that's another depth piece from an American team. So, yeah, there's still guys out here. Even though it's almost July, there's still guys out in the portal 
that teams are finalizing that final roster spot with. Yep, I do think that that's intriguing. And I think that this year, more than anything, we've seen a lot of guys from like the junior college level slash the D2 level that are still out there and they're still worth taking note of. Now, I don't think that these are going to be guys that are going to be tearing it up for like 15 points per game at a power conference level or anything like that. But in terms of just the way that you view the portal, do you, do you sort of have the same sort of thought that a lot of the uh, guys that could be of impact for the coming season that are still out there are maybe some of these guys at the junior college level slash some of these guys in general that maybe they were a little bit passed up, weren't able to go D1 right away, and now they're looking to move up a level? Yeah, I think at this point, if a team's looking to fill in a roster spot and get that 13th guy, I wouldn't look past looking at D2 or JUCO players. I mean, like at this point, the Division One transfer portal is pretty much all completed. And like you said, those D2 and JUCO players, a lot of them are undervalued. They're underlooked. They're going to have a lot of grit and determination to go up to that D1 level and prove people wrong and even just improve as a player. I like a lot of JUCO players because a lot of them are humble and a lot of them really want to work at their game. I'd rather have that than some of the guys in D1 that are still available, to be honest. Yep, and I do think what else is going to be of intrigue as well is because we are talking about this as well, everything that is happening with West Virginia. Do you think that there is a possibility that if we do see an outside hire come in because they will probably be coming from a different university, we were talking about it perhaps with Youngstown State. Now, if John Beeline takes that job, that would not be poaching a coach away from a current position at another school. But if we do see a hire coming from a different school, you think that there could be a chance that if we do see an outside hire from a different university, that this could cause a little bit of movement as well, because you'd have to think that if there is an outside hire with West Virginia, that's going to cause a few of those players to transfer. And then with whatever school would be losing their coach, that would cause those players to transfer as well. And then that could cause a little bit of musical chairs with regards to the portal as well. Yeah, there's definitely an opportunity for a wave just because of Bob Huggins resigning. Like you said, if West Virginia hires an outside guy, the whole team's going to have to evaluate whether or not they want to stay with this new staff. Like I said, Jesse Edwards, Kirk Kresha, they're immediately eligible so they could enter the portal and they could be that final roster spot for some of these teams. And honestly, these teams would probably make make room for them even if they had all their scholarships filled up. So yeah, if West Virginia hires, if they're able to poach a coach from mid-major or a power six level, I feel like that team's screwed as well because that coach is going to take some of the guys with them and it's going to cause this ripple effect. Yep, we dodged the ripple effect with Charlotte hiring on Aaron Farine about a week or so ago. We shall see if that is going to be the case with West Virginia or not as well. And I know that's something that you guys are doing at the Portal Report as well because a lot of the big-time transfer moves they have now been made. We're looking more at some of these ancillary pieces. Is taking a look at some of these transfer halls, some of the positives, some of the negatives. I know you guys were tweeting about Loyal Chicago, and that's a team that I actually previewed on this podcast a few days ago. But is there maybe a mid-major that's a little bit under the radar that you just take a look at them and you think, man, they got a little bit of a better transfer portal haul than what a lot of people are giving them credit for? I'll shout out Radford, for example. I think Darius Nichols and his staff going into year three, I think they brought in a good portal class. We tweeted about him earlier. Chandler Turner from Bowling Green. That's a He's a, entering his fifth year. He's a veteran. Josiah Harris from St. Francis, New York. And then a D2 guy and a JUCO guy. Like I said earlier, the D2 and JUCO guys, they're determined to make that jump up to D1. So they might be more hungry than some of these D1 
guys still left. Just the momentum that Radford had last season. They didn't make the NCAA tournament, but I'd like to see Radford take that next jump and maybe make the tournament next season. Yeah, with Radford, they were able to make a nice run in the CBI as well. I know there was a little bit of turmoil towards back half of the season with the coaching staff with Mr. Nichols, but it feels like things are very much on the up and up with them. They brought in a nice transfer hall and out there in the Big South, I think is very winnable. Radford, a school that has been to the NCAA tournament in the past few years. I think that they've got a good shot of being able to go there as well. And Ethan, I know you're doing a great job taking a look at the landscape of college basketball. Certainly was a busy weekend for you with everything that we saw with West Virginia. Certainly wish it was on a little bit of better terms, but I do appreciate all the work that you've been putting in, taking a look at this whole ordeal, joining me on the podcast today. So let the good people at home know it's all on tap for you and how people are able to follow along with all of your work on social media and other platforms. Yeah, so you can find me on Twitter at EthanBach underscore. I'm sure I'll be tweeting over the next couple of weeks who West Virginia hires and hopefully some of these D1 guys in the transfer portal find some homes and maybe we will see another wave with West Virginia guys in the portal. So as soon as I thought... College basketball season's dying down. It kicked right back up, so it could be another interesting month. Yep, there has been a lot of intrigue out there in West Virginia. Hopefully, we're going to be able to talk a little bit on better terms, but Ethan, I know that he's done an absolutely amazing job taking a look at everything that we have seen with the fallout of West Virginia. What is all going to be happening next? He is a must-follow to be able to get the latest on all that, and it was great to be able to get his insights on the podcast today. A big thanks to Ethan for joining me on Coast to Coast Soups, now part of the Visa Family of Podcasts. And if you do like hearing from this fine podcast, Coast to Coast Soups, you're able to subscribe wherever your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and tune in. If you have a question, comment, segment idea, what have you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways we offer those in. First one is my Twitter timeline, at Jaden underscore D1. Keep in mind, letters M, they mean does not matter, so as per usual, please just send these into the timeline, otherwise via an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you're able to fire whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five-star review. I'm coming at you guys every single day on this podcast. Here in the offseason, taking a look at the news and notes of college basketball. Giving you guys some conference previews. Once we get in season, fixing analysis on every single game every single day. So I will talk with you once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in. Hey, everybody, welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. Join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. We gather a seasoned elder, myself as the middle generation, and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations, prepare to engage or hear perspectives that literally no one else has had. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts.